Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1300. This is also a celebration of the fifth year of the Cars Yeah podcast. Woohoo! <laughs> All right. Opportunity arrives at very strange times. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, calling in from beautiful Marina Del Rey, California, Bruce Kessler. Hey, Bruce, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I have a harness on that didn't exist in my days. Yes. Well, I'll try to keep the car between the rails, as they say today. Bruce Kessler had a short but sweet racing career from 1953 to 1959. It started when he borrowed his mother's XK120 Jag at the young age of 17. He raced all over the world, and Sports Illustrated called him Bruce, daring young Bruce Kessler. He was sent to Le Mans in 1957 to drive for Porsche and tested for Centro Scoots F1-250S Maserati in Modena. He drove for Scarab, raced Ferraris, and ran at exciting venues including the Cuban Grand Prix, the Nassau Classic, Sebring, Silverstone, Lime Rock, Watkins Glen, and Riverside, to name just a few. A serious accident ended his racing career, and he landed in Hollywood. And guess what? He became a film and television director. His film, The Sound of Speed, represented the USA at the Cannes Film Festival in 1962, and he won the first Golden Eagle awarded by the American Film Institute. Very, very cool. You can find that film on YouTube, by the way. Just a few of his many other credits included The Monkees, The Flying Nun, Mission Impossible, Marcus Welby, MD, and The Rockford Files, to name just a few. All of those shows I watched when I was a kid. How cool is that? So, Bruce, I've told our listeners just a little tiny bit about your incredible past. Would you take a moment to share just a little bit more before I jump into the questions about your career and a very obvious passion for automobiles and racing? Well, Mark, I, like all kids, I grew up loving cars and and. I was fortunate enough to be in Southern California in the age of the golden age of hot rods and, and was fortunate enough, like all kids, to be able to have a, uh, our version of a custom car or a hot rod, whatever you want, and to grow up with the energy of what's now called engineering, then called hot rodding, which kind of changed the world of uh, the automotive world at that time. Yeah, you were living in Southern California during a very, very special time. And I want to shout out to our mutual friend, Tim Considine. He's been a guest here on Cars Yeah. He'll be another guest on Cars Yeah. He just finished an amazing book, The Yanks at Le Mans, that uh, we'll be talking about. But we're going to talk about Bruce today, about his incredible past. But as we continue on your journey, Bruce, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life. In your success, it's a really nice way to get the inspirational tires smoking here on Cars Yeah, because I know you like to go fast. So, Bruce, take the wheel. Well, outside of saying keep your foot in it, <laughs> opportunity uh, opportunity arrives at very strange times, and in, in the same in my life. And I came along at the right time, and it was in the right place to be able to do some of the things I did, and to be able to be present in the company of some really great people that changed the way automobiles were built 
I was lucky enough to be in that class, so to speak, in the late 80s uh, when everything changed and when Detroit got the message finally that they had to quit uh, changing the way they were building cars, that there was a new type of car that had come into the picture and they had to pay attention to these so-called hot rodders out in California. Yeah, you know, this is really cool. Let's go back a little bit earlier from the 80s. You talk about when opportunity knocks. I mean, when I look back at what you were doing in racing and racing and how you ended up racing all over the world at some absolutely incredible venues, what kind of opportunities knocked on your door that allowed you to jump in the seats of some of these cars and end up at these iconic locations? Well, to be honest, Mark, at this particular time in racing, on the West Coast was just starting. And I was in high school. I actually started in competition when I was 16. But I came from a background of racing. My cousin was a in the Northwest, up where you live in Seattle, was a sprint car champion. So I'd been around race cars. And when racing was developing here in Southern California, my mother had a 1953 uh, Jag that was used that my father had bought her. And it, there was no class for it to run in the uh, drag races. I was didn't know what to do with it. And there was a garage, a gas station garage on the corner of Santa Monica and Wilshire. It was owned by a gentleman named Pappy Pettigo. And I saw an MG V8 TC. Well, it was a MG TC with a V8 60 Ford engine in it. I thought, well, that was interesting. And I stopped in and talked to him. And I asked him about what I could do with my car. And he said, you can go to the road races. So I brought my mother down when they asked me to have an adult and come down and uh, okay me to race with California Sports Car Club. And she saw gentlemen in suits and ties like and a very nice Englishman named by the name of Ken Miles. And she figured, how bad can this be? Oh, my gosh. Ken Miles, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a name. Well, little did she know what she was uh, letting you go do. Oh, my gosh. Those guys tricked her with all those coats and ties back in the day. That's just absolutely incredible. Well, you know, my regular listeners know I've had Burt Levy on the show here, and this guy has written uh, all the uh, the famous books that he's written, and one of them is Tolly's Ghost. And I know, Bruce, you have said that you're aptly described as the smart-ass kid that the fictional characters meet in the beginning of Burt Levy's racing novel, Tolly's Ghost. Why would anybody say that about good old Bruce Kessler? You know, that's a, I guess... That's the way we appeared. I mean, we were very young when Mercedes decided to give us that car on the condition that I would drive it. It was always their car. It was never Lance's car. We had a matching car. I mean, it was a different time in motor racing. Do you think that you could ever get away with what we did? We painted the cars identical, and then when they brought the car to the race, it was a different car than we drove on the street. It was quite a quite a different time. Yeah, no kidding. When Tim Considine was uh, on the show here, he talks about his uh, agreement with the studios when he was acting that he couldn't be racing, so he'd he'd enter races under false names so that he could go and race on the weekends and have some fun. But it was a lot more loose back then. And I'd love for you to share a story that instigated your personal passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were indeed going to be a car guy and you really wanted to be a race car driver? I think I always was a car guy, and I always thought that racing was one of the 
only ways I could distinguish myself because I was an asthmatic child. And I thought that because I couldn't do physical sports when I was a small kid and I was around my cousin Gene Wolfen, the sprint car driver, that that was something I could do. And that put me in the direction that took me directly into being um, a competitive driver on to winning the Southern California Hill Climb Championship when I was 16 and moving into Formula 3 and winning that championship and then being offered a ride with Ferrari. I honestly never thought, well, I kind of thought or hoped that I would get to Europe, but I was fortunate enough. The timing was right. When I took my Formula 1 test in Modena, Italy, it's Centro Sud, Maserati, uh, yeah, 250 F Formula One Maserati. Today, when I today we have probably four 16-year-olds that have passed their Formula One test and are ready to go Formula One racing. They probably started racing at six in organized competition. You know that didn't exist in my day. My timing was right. It was easy to make a name for myself. Yeah, it's absolutely fascinating, incredible, especially compared to today with all the changes. Now, you mentioned Ken Miles. What are some of the other great names that you were racing around back in the day? I mean, there's probably too many to list, but just some of those that listeners would recognize. Well, they probably recognize Carol Shelby. I was his teammate on several occasions. Roger Ward, who won Indianapolis. Jim Rathman, who won Indianapolis. You know, one of the West Coast drivers that was my favorite uh, was my mentor growing up was Bill Pollock, who mm. had won one of the original Pebble Beach races. So, but I, I wow. raced with everybody. I mean, I was on a team with Hawthorne Collins. Uh, I've been on a team with Sterling Moss. I raced on the same racetrack with Juan Manuel Fangio. I have I raced with all of the great drivers of the mid to late fifties were the drivers that I was lucky enough to compete with or be on the same track with. My gosh, absolutely amazing. Well, let's talk about some of these many roads you've traveled down. You're a mature man. You've been around for a few years, right? So no doubt you've uh, been faced with some challenges, maybe even a failure or two. And I'd love for you to share one of those that has a great memory for you in the way that it was a wonderful learning experience. I know at the time it probably didn't seem like much fun, but something that taught you something that caused a change in your life perhaps, but more importantly, tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum as you move forward in your life, your career, your business. Involving motor racing, the running of the second Willow Springs race, which was, I'm going to think in 1954, maybe 1955. I'm driving up to towards Lancaster to the Willow Springs track, there was a coffee shop that we stopped at. And there was a small men's room, and I beat an older gentleman to the door and kind of aced him out of getting in there and had kind of a funny conversation or remarks between us coming out of, coming out of the men's room where he was waiting. Later that day, I was driving a uh, an MGTC with a V860 that belonged to a gentleman named Maurice Carton, who was a professor at uh, UCLA. And I needed something uh, from Worldwide Motors Pits, and I went over and borrowed it and came back. And I am told that the gentleman that I had run out, kind of beat into the men's room, had asked who I was. 
And they told him that I was a young, you know, driver and I, which car I was driving. And he watched me that day. And then I got an offer from Worldwide Motors to drive for them a car that he was building there, which was a Seattle Spider with an E3 Jupiter. Do you remember what those were? E3 wow. Jupiter engine, 1500cc car. And uh-huh. that started me into a series of other rides. But that man was the CEO of a company. My father asked, who is this guy you're driving for? When I asked him what his job was, he said, I'm the CEO of a company called Kaiser Permanente. Oh, jeez. Which meant nothing to me, but it meant something in the years to come. That was that was in the, I mean, that was in the mid-50s. Wow. Yeah. And that's the guy you ended up driving for. Right. And from that led to another ride and another ride and another ride. Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, you know, I guess fortuitous in a way, but... Uh... You're beating the guy to the bathroom. Um, I'm surprised he hired you. <laughs> he, he must well, have figured, well, this this guy's quick, so I, I like that. Yeah. Well, that's how things happen. And, and it was uh, uh, strictly, a, if I hadn't gotten into that situation with him trying to get into the bathroom, he probably would have never noticed me that day. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that incredible? Well, I know when you, when you think about challenges, you had a very serious accident. Uh, racing that kind of ended it for you with racing and led you to a whole new career path where you became very successful. Can you share a little bit about that? Sure. In the Examiner Grand Prix in 1959, I think it was January of 1959, I was injured driving the Saddler Special and, and I had a concussion. FIA wouldn't let me drive for a year. And I was asked during that, well, shortly after that, uh, when I had no idea what I was going to do except sit out my year, I was asked by uh, MGM Studios, ABC, or the network, if I would be interested in being a technical advisor, which I said, why not? And uh, I started my career as a technical advisor, where I became a shortly thereafter kind of a writer, script doctor, and shortly after that, what we call a second unit director, which means someone who directs the action in the picture where you can use photo doubles and usually don't use the actors, which mm-hmm. led to me becoming a director. Wow. I'm the monkeys of all things since I have. <laughs> hey, hey, we're the monkeys. Wow. Right. <laughs> I said, I can't even hum. <laughs> well, I'm no good at singing either, so we won't, we won't either of us try that. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special vehicle. Now, this may be the first race car you got in where you said to yourself, man, I've really made it. Or it could be a car that was special to you in your life. And maybe share a memory you have about that ride. Well, actually, the first car that really came into my life, and it's a car that I'd love to own today, was a chopped and channeled 47 Mercury convertible with a Carson top. The car was built by George Barris. Tony Nancy did the interior. It was a beautiful car, just a gorgeous car. And that is a car I I would give anything to own today. But I think that my start in motor racing in a real race car that defined my career was Warren Olson picking me to drive the, uh, I guess it was a Mark 9 Cooper, a real race car with open wheels. And that I think kind of set me on a path to being 
a international racing driver. Yeah. Oh, Mark Nine Cooper. Very, very cool. Love it. Well, and jumping into your first open car and it being a race car, that made it even more special. Uh, open wheel cars. Love those. Fantastic. Is there a car you've owned, Bruce, that you've let go that you really wish you had back in your garage, a seller's remorse story in your life? I'm thinking about the correct answer may disappoint you. No, Not that's okay. Really. Not really. Not really. <laughs> no, because I always drove other people's cars, and, yeah. and uh, I, there was no special car that I liked. Yes, I had a very nice Volkswagen that, was, that I was fond of, but there were no special cars for me. Uh, you know, a car that I really like that I drive today, and I've had, this is my third one. And that's an R8 Audi. Ooh, um, yeah. Over a 10-year period, I've had three of them. Every time they change transmissions or do something, I uh, trade up. And yeah. I think I'm on my last one because it's kind of hard in my 80s to be able to get out in and out of the car. But I do enjoy <laughs> the car. Those are cool. I love those cars. When they first came out, I was very fortunate. I was at an LMS race at Miller Motorsport Park uh, with a friend of mine, Duncan Dayton. He had a racing team at the time. And Audi brought those cars over to kind of display for people coming to the race as a new car. And they were giving people rides in them. And I was there a few days before the track events opened. And one of the guys let me drive one of those things. And uh, that was cool. Yeah, I, I just like them because they're so different looking. Every car, a lot of cars all look the same these days. I and mean, even supercars sometimes. Uh, that probably raised a few eyebrows to listeners out there. But I always thought those were really, really, really cool cars. Let me ask you this. Of all the television shows and films that you worked on, was there one that really stands out for you that you really enjoyed? I am credited with the McLeod series, and that was a series that I directed uh, seven of them. Six of them were Sunday Night Mystery movies. But I felt that series best suited my sense of humor. It was a show that, fit me perfectly out of the 40 some odd series that i have shot plus the movies i've made i feel that was the best fit for me very cool and why was that it's a sense of humor and uh yeah uh that 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 the show was written with it had that it just kind of fit me yeah very cool awesome well, what are you doing these days, Bruce? I know that you're retired, and uh, I know you uh, hang out with uh, Tim Considine. You've helped him a bit with this book, this incredible book project that he worked on. But what what are you doing these days that has you excited and fired up? Actually, I've been very active for the last, well, quite a few years. I'm trying to put it in, in the proper perspective. In long-range boating, uh, I have uh, developed a boat or a style of boat referred to as a trawler. And I have been active in helping educate long range cruisers. When I say active in educating, it's because I am a circumnavigator and have that background. So I spend four or five events a year talking about cruising offshore. Wow. Very, very cool. Well, I know that uh, you have a a home out on the West Coast here where you're calling in from, but uh, don't you have a really cool trawler that you and your wife live on out in Florida? Is that right? Uh, well, we did live out on it for quite a while, but we moved the boat up to Maine, and the boat is in the shed. The name of the boat is Spirit of Zopalote. She is the grandchild of the original Zopalote, which was my boat. 
The boat is at Southwest Harbor, Maine. That's fairly close to uh, Bar Harbor, Maine. It spends the winter in a big warm shed here, waiting for me to put her back in that cold green water, which we'll be doing in June. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Bruce, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah! sponsors. Hey, fellow automotive enthusiasts, you know I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products since 1975. That's right, all the way back to my high school days. Want to keep your vehicle's exterior and interior looking new? It's easy with a Covercraft car cover. A car cover is the best way to keep your vehicle looking great for years to come. Car covers protect your paint from fallout, birds, dust, rain, insects, and pollen. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. I use my Covercraft car covers every single day. Right now, you can get 10% off all Covercraft custom car covers or their ready-fit car covers. Plus, they offer you over 15 quality fabrics to choose from. Their spring sale is from April 15th through June 16th, 2019. Order direct at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. That's Covercraft.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah. And I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah! website at com. Hey, Mark Green here from Cars Yeah! Did you know you can now see me? on the Cars Yeah! TV show. It's a weekly visit to some of my past Cars Yeah! podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, Cars Yeah! TV is making its mark. Cars Yeah! TV is available on MAV TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find MAV TV on Direct TV, Fubo TV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through Lucas Oil Racing Television online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. All right, Bruce, I have a very introspective question for you. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a car, you actually were manifested into a car, not what you want to be, but how you perceive your per- yourself, I should say, as a car, what kind of car would Bruce be and why? Probably be a Model A because I'm old and rickety. <laughs> I don't know about the rickety part, but <laughs> I would like to be my, I'd like to be the car I drive. Yeah. Well, maybe a little touch of that in that old Ford, but uh, I like that. That's a nice answer. Well, Bruce, we're entering what I call the last lap. You've been in many of these situations. The white flag's out. Time to put your foot into it. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners quick blips of that Audi R8 throttle. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Finish. <laughs> yeah, just finish, finish the race. The race. <laughs> yeah, he who finishes wins. Yeah, very nicely done. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes throughout all these years? Well, I'm a gut instinct person. I feel that way about the profession I was in directing films. I always followed my gut. But in racing, I developed a philosophy or a 
yes, I'd call it a philosophy of trying to take command of the race at the opening of the race and break my competitors back the opening lap so they'd quit competing. Ah, I know. I was going to say, I like that. And I know that, uh, in reading some of your background history, you did just that in some of the races that you started with. You'd run right up the middle or along the side and uh, kind of go, who the hell is that guy? Well, you have to be competitive. You know, to be competitive, you have to be, you have to be, I'll call it daring or just have to be competitive. You have to try a little harder and drive a little harder. However, one thing about motor racing, and it's a little bit like high school sports, when you come out of being a football star or something, when you go to high school and you show up for college, there's a lot of people just like you. And you suddenly realize you're going to have to start all over again and work very hard at it. And when you get out of college and you're a star and you think, I'm going to be just fine when I get to the pros, you realize there's a lot of people there just like you and you're going to have to work a lot harder to make a name for yourself and to survive in that type of competition. Absolutely. Nicely said. Do you have a resource that you uh, kind of go to these days that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, Tim Considine. I love <laughs> yes. Tim's writing, his books, and, and I turn to Tim and I watch Formula One with him. We have a little group that watches it. But I, he's, my major, he's my major resource. Yeah, he's a great guy. I really enjoyed having him as a guest uh, several years ago, back in 2015 here on Cars Yeah. And as I mentioned at the beginning, he's come back. We're going to we talk about his book. You can go to that show and listen to that here on Cars Yeah. Uh, and I got to meet Tim. I'd never met him face-to-face on the lawn at Pebble a year or so ago when they had all those Oscars on the field. There was this gentleman standing next to this beautiful blue Oscar, and I went up, and we were looking at it, and I said, oh, this is a beautiful car. And he said, yeah, this used to be my car. And I turned, and I went, Tim, <laughs> it's you. <laughs> so, uh. It was nice to meet him, especially in that environment with his car there. And he told me some wonderful stories of owning that car way back and when. Well, if I could wave my magic wand and arrange for you to sit down and have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that individual be? It would be Lance Reventlo or Reventlo, mm-hmm. however you choose to pronounce his name. The man who developed the scarab and was responsible for it. Who? probably was laughing when they were having the 50th Scarab reunion at Elkhart Lake when they were talking about the car and how wonderful it was. And when it was my turn to speak about it, being one of the original drivers, I said just that. Lance is up there laughing because he thought in the, the end of the 1958 season, the car was obsolete. And of course, it went on for many seasons to be successful and is now a, you know, a classic treasured car. Yeah, those things are beautiful, absolutely beautiful cars. I remember on the lawn at Pebble a few years back, they had a team transporter with three of those scarabs on it. And uh, of course, I've seen those at events uh, since then. Wonderful cars. In fact, I believe when I was down at Bruce Canapa's shop, we were shooting an episode of Cars Yeah TV, and they had a scarab in the showroom there as well. So Magnificent cars. And uh, Bruce, now, was was he involved in some way with the, the movie that you produced? Yes, he was. Uh, he was the driver in The Sound of Speed. And that's why uh, that's why I mentioned the film. It's on YouTube. 
I believe the sound of speed is on YouTube. It has disappeared for years. It belonged to Universal International and their short film uh, department disintegrated. But you mm-hmm. can still see actually what is the first cut of uh, the original movie. Oh, very, very cool. Now, is there a book out there, Bruce, that you've read that you'd like to share with our listeners? I think if you're a Scarab fan, you must read The Scarab Story. But the most fabulous set of books that I've run across in my lifetime covering this sport is Tim Considine's History of Americans at Lamar. That book is absolutely the most interesting, fabulously researched books full of quotes and things that you would have never be able to find anywhere else about the history of those of us that have been fortunate enough to drive at Le Mans. Yes, uh, it's an incredible book. Now, were you involved in helping him with any history in that book? Yes, from a standpoint of where I was involved. The two years that I was there, uh, I was able to give him information that he would not be able to find anywhere else, which he seems to have gone back in history and gotten from every living relative of anybody that was still left uh, besides the original people that the that makes the book so unusual and so wonderfully crafted. Yeah, absolutely. I'll remind our listeners the title of that book, Twice Around the Clock, The Yanks at Le Mans. And again, you can go back and listen to my talk with Tim uh, where he came back on the show for his second round here on Cars Yeah to talk about that book. Spent six years writing that book, I think 26 years researching that book at books, I should say, because there's three of them. It's thousands of pages. Absolutely fantastic. All right. We are up to the checkered flag, Bruce. And this last question can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to play Santa Claus. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car you'd like to own. But there's a couple rules to this game. One is you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with or a nice big boat. You have to drive it. No garage queens allowed here, but I don't think that's a problem for a driver like you. But the final little catch is it's the only one cool collector car that you can own. So what can I buy you today? I would like to have my original 1947 Barris Green Mercury convertible with a Carson top and a Tony Nancy interior. Does that car still exist somewhere out there? I don't know. In the magic world of cars, yeah, and Mark Green, it does. So I'll go find it for you, and I'll deliver it to you. And you can drive up and down the coast highway in that thing and uh, relive your youth a little bit. That sounds like a pretty cool special car. It'd be cool if we could figure out if it's still out there. I hope so. I hope so, too. Bruce, it's been a delight talking to you. You've taken us on a, a great ride here, and I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day. To spend with me and the Cars Yow listeners, and again, a thank you to Tim Considine for introducing us to our, to each other. That was pretty cool of him, and I want to thank you for sharing your journey. Could you offer us maybe one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive down the coast highway in that 47 Barris Mercury convertible? Keep your foot in. There you go. I love it. <laughs> Very cool. And are you active out there in social media in any way this day? Is there any way people can kind of keep up with what you're doing in your life? Or are you just out in the seas uh, sailing the high the high waves? No, I'm kind of a dinosaur. I barely know how to use the phone, the, the, the <laughs> iPhone. But I am around. I am reachable by uh, oh, almost any 
any means, especially in the world of boating, it's easy to find me. However, in the world of automobiles, people find me all the time, too. So always glad to hear from him. All right. Very cool. Well, I appreciate you spending this day with me. This is a very special day again for Mark Green here in Cars Yow, my 13th episode. I'm very proud that you're my 1300th guest and the five-year anniversary of the Cars Yow podcast, which is pretty darn cool. If you told me I'd still be here five years from now when I started this, I might have just laughed at you. Bruce, thank you for being so generous with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. There we go. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimball.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.